Psalms 38. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrow has pierced me and your hands have come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and broke very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heat. All my longings lies open before you, Lord. My sign is not hidden from you. My heart pounds, my strength fail me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who want to kill me set their traps. Those who would hunt me talk of my ruin. All day long they scheme and lie. I am like the deaf who cannot hear, like the mute who cannot speak. I have become like one who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Lord, I wait for you. You will answer, Lord my God. For I say, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my feet sleep. For I am about to fall and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity and trouble by my sin. Many have become my enemies without cause. Those who hate me without reasons are numerous. Those who reply my good work with evil lodge accusations against me, though I seek only to do what is good. Lord, do not forsake me. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly to help me my Lord and my Saviour. These are the words of God. This morning, our Reverend Lenita will preach to us, it is okay to be not okay. May our heart be good soil to receive God's word. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Ming Hong. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you who are gathered here in the sanctuary and those who have joined us online, is it really okay if we're not okay? Some of you may, if I show you this picture, some of you may know who she is. Um, she goes by the name of Nightbird. Um, recently, she got a golden buzzer uh, on American Got Talent. And her song is, It's Okay. When uh, those of us who know her story, she had cancer, she was diagnosed with cancer, relapsed and relapsed and relapsed and even as she sang the song, It's Okay, she wasn't okay. And so in the chorus, the words goes, if you're lost, we're all a little lost. It's all right. And so from there, we can see that actually when it's not okay, it is okay. If we look at the characters in the Bible, actually we'll realize that every single person that we know of in the Bible, 
their lives were not okay all the time. Think of Abraham, the father of our faith. He wasn't totally okay. Think of Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, King Saul. Okay, as I've mentioned, the Bible, the characters in the Bible, many of them, if not all of them, their lives were not okay. If we think of the 12 disciples, if we think of Paul, or even John Mark, whose ministry, who turned away from his ministry and was rejected by Paul, he wasn't okay. On a human side, even the life of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was here on earth wasn't okay. He was tired, he was sad, he cried, he was angry, he was disappointed. And so for many of us, as we look at the life of David, if we look at the Psalms, we think that his life was okay. We love some of his beautiful psalm praising the Lord. But today, as we look at Psalm 38, it's entitled A Petition. And if we had listened to the words that was read earlier on, we would know that it wasn't okay for David. In this Psalm of 22 verses, 20 of them, are full of pain and suffering. And so this morning, I want to take this psalm and then we'll look at it. And so if you have your Bibles with you, whether hard copy or electronic, turn to Psalm 38 and then we will go through it together. Let us turn to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we want to give thanks to you that it is you who first loved us, even when we were sinners, even when we were not okay. And you continue to love us as we are today, when we are not totally okay. And so, Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we ask that you will open up our eyes, our hearts, our ears, to listen to you speak to us, to hear that love that you have for us as individuals and as a church. We give thanks to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first point that I want to share with you this morning is the depth of pain and suffering. If you look at the words of David, you will realize that his pain and suffering are so deep and so real. What did he say? He said, God, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Anger and wrath. Wrath is one level up of anger. David wrote this psalm as if God was so angry with him. And then what did he say? He said God shot him with arrows. Does God have a bow and arrow? Does God shoot people with arrows? But you see what David wrote. David said, your arrows have pierced me. And then he said that because of God's wrath, there is no health in his body and every single bone in his body, there is no soundness. And so with these words, as we read on, you see that David was so deep in his pain and suffering. Although he mentioned that he has sinned, but we do not know what occasion was this. Bible scholars look at this Psalm 38 and compare with Psalm 51. 
Remember David's sin when he committed adultery with Bathsheba? And with that, he wrote Psalm 51. And it was very clear that he knew his sin. But in this case, we do not know what was the occasion. But what we know was that the pain and the suffering was so deep and so real to David. Look at verse 5. He says, My wounds fester and are loathsome. Now the same word, the wound, that word in Hebrew has the same root word with leprosy. And so his illness, it seems like it's so bad. Okay, later on we will read in verse 11 how his friends all rejected him. But you look at him, his back is filled with pain and there's no health in his body. He's feeble and utterly crushed and he groaned. And then he goes on to say, I am like the deaf, I cannot speak. I am like one who cannot hear, again, I cannot speak. Now some of these, as we look at it, it could be real physical pain. But some of it could be just imagine. But it seems so real to David that he cried out in, in, in pain and suffering that all these pains that he has. And then finally, in verse 8, he says, I confess my iniquity, I am troubled by my sin. But friends, if I said, we do not know the occasion of this psalm. We do not know whether David sinned. But from what we can read is that David linked his suffering to his sin. But that's our problem, isn't it? Even today, when we see people in pain and suffering, we're quite quick to want to find out what's the sin in that person's life. Whether in our own life, maybe we have sinned, and so that's why God gives me that suffering. Or maybe the sins of my ancestors, or the sin of my family members. We're sometimes too quick to talk about, to equate suffering with sin. Yes, we bear the consequences of our sin. And yes, sometimes physical illness can be a result of sin. But it is not all the time. Our sins can have physical and mental side effects that cause great suffering. But my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, not all suffering are the consequence of sin. And we need to remember that. Not all suffering are the consequence of our sin. And so it is most unhelpful if we always equate suffering to sin. But what do we do with suffering? Very often we don't understand why is there suffering, whether individually or collectively. Who can understand why are we going through pandemic at this time? We have no answers. But as Christians, how do we respond to other people's suffering? We can say three things. One, we can say you are heard. We hear, we know, we empathize your suffering. Two, you are loved. I stand with you, I love you in your suffering. And thirdly, you are not alone in your suffering. As a church, we need to respond in this way to the suffering around us that we may not understand, like David. His pain and suffering can be real, can be imagined, 
but it is not for us to judge whether it is real or not. It is real to David. And so what we need to do is to respond by standing with the person in their suffering. What did God, or what does God call us to do? He calls us to rejoice with those who is rejoicing and then to weep with those who weep. We stand with them, we identify with them. And today, some of you, or even earlier on, Ming Hong had already uh, shared, some of you may know it. Today is World Mental Health Day, 10th of October. And those of you who would uh, notice that I'm wearing a green ribbon, this morning Karen asked me, you were wearing a pink ribbon, why are you wearing a green ribbon today? Green ribbon is for World Mental Health Day. World Mental Health Day was first observed in 1991 to raise awareness of mental health issues around the world and to mobilize efforts to support mental wellness. This year's theme is that mental health care is for all. Let's make it a reality. Definition of mental wellness is a positive state of mental health. Being mentally well means that your mind is in order and functioning in your best interest. You're able to think, feel, act in ways that create a positive impact on your physical and social well-being. Are we mentally well all the time? There are times when this doesn't describe us. There are times when we think, when we act, when we feel not quite so positive. There are times when we are not okay. But for many of us, it is not okay not to be okay. In fact, it should be okay. Because mental health is invisible, we cannot tell when one is not well. If we see someone coming to church in crutches, immediately we'll be filled with love and compassion because we know that the person has injured a part of the body or if the person has, is wearing a cast on the hands. With x-ray, MRI, blood tests, we know that our body is not okay. And so if we know of the results, we are also full of love and compassion. But when someone is mentally unwell, there may not be any outward physical sign. And so that person suffers alone. In this pandemic, we have read and know of stress of daily living. Being locked in, locked down. Being unable to do what we want to do. Being unable to travel. Being unable to visit family members. All this has caused us both emotional and mental stress. Parents are stressed up. Right? Children are stressed up. Church members and leaders are stressed up. And likewise, pastors are stressed. To open the church for physical worship or not? Earlier on, some of us had to decide to be vaccinated or not. 
and what vaccine. And then now, the stress is the booster jab. Are you going for it or not? Or even the children. Do we let our children go to school? Do we let our children be vaccinated? All these decisions are stressful. Daily living, just going through the daily routine is hard. And so we read of many who are depressed, who are mentally unwell. Some may complain like David of physical pain. Some may be emotional and mental. But friends, the first thing that we need to know as we read Psalm 38 is that the suffering and pain are very real, very deep, and very difficult. The second point that we learn from this psalm is David was forsaken by friends, hunted by enemies. Poor David. Look at what he wrote in verse 11. He says, My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. As I've said, the word wounds is the same root word as leprosy. And so we know in the Old Testament, you walk a mile away from someone with leprosy. We talk about social distancing now. And so it can become, I, I like what Duncan said, it's not, it shouldn't be social distancing, it should be physical distancing. But even physical distancing is painful. Because David says, people stand far away, my neighbours stand far away. Your neighbour is somebody who lives right next to you, but that person stands far away. The New Living Translation and the Contemporary English Version is even more painful. My loved ones and friends stay away. My own family stand at the distance. The Contemporary English Version says, because of my illness, no friends or neighbours will come near me. Poor David, isn't it? When we suffer, when we are in pain, we look for friends who would stand with us. When we are carrying a heavy load, if somebody would just lift a finger to help us, it makes a difference. Remember Moses when he was burdened with ministering to God's people, his father-in-law came and gave him advice. When he couldn't hold up his hands anymore, Joshua and her came and helped him. David had a close friend, Jonathan. But where's the friend now? Or even Paul, when he was first converted, everybody rejected him, was afraid of him. Barnabas took him in. In our lives also, when we are down and we are in pain, when we need a hand or a shoulder to lean on, to cry on, it would be a great help if there is someone with us. But look at David. No one. Some translations say, my own family, my own close friends, they stand far away. And to make matters worse, he's got lots of enemies. 
He says, the enemies gloat over me and waiting for me to slip and fall. And then he goes on to describe that many have become my enemies and those who hate me are numerous. And so that feeling not only of friends deserting me, but the feeling of many, many who are out to wait for me to fall and fail and who would laugh when I do so. David says, I am like a man who cannot hear. I am like a man who cannot speak. He was so depressed and afflicted that he felt powerless to respond to all of this. Friends, why am I talking about all of this from the pulpit? If I don't talk about, if the church doesn't talk about mental health, who will? What is a church? I love this picture. The church is where God, where we worship God, is right there at the top. But then what is a church made of? Relationships, you, me, and them. Friends and family. And then right in the middle, we have faith and Bible. But what's there at the bottom? Love, joy, peace, worship. If in the church, people cannot feel that there's someone standing with them, what are we for? Henry Nolan wrote a book called The Wounded Healer. He described Jesus as the wounded healer. Right? Jesus is wounded or was wounded, but he is the healer. And so Henry Nolan describes the Christian community is a healing community. Not because we can heal wounds, not because we, can, we, we give out cures, but because wounds and pains become openings and occasions for a new vision. Mutual confession then becomes a mutual deepening of hope. Sharing weakness becomes a reminder to one and all of the coming strength. And so as a church, that's what we need to do. Wounds and, and, and hurts and pains and suffering are part and parcel of the human life. And so we need to stand together and to say, if you're not okay, it's all right. I accept you. You're one of us. There is that community to say that it's okay when we are not okay. David was forsaken by people. My prayer is that none of us would be rejected. The church should be a place where there is no stigma and there is no shame. Somebody described this, that the church is a soul care centre that we're very good at. We care for the spiritual lives of people. But we also need to be a redemptive and safe space for recovery. People who are not completely okay should be welcomed in the church, a place for recovery. And then we need to provide a bridge to the wounded healer. Many years ago, some of us would remember that our society didn't know what to do with people who are limited in their physical or intellectual abilities. We have very unkind words to describe 
those who with limited abilities. We exclude them. We call them handicapped. We call them disabled. And many of them are excluded even from the church. Our physical facilities are not friendly at all. But I thank God that the Lord raised awareness amongst us. And in the years since, the church, even physically, we are more friendly to people who, are, who may be um, less mobile than some of us. We have wheelchair ramps. We are more wheelchair-friendly. But we have also changed the words that we use to describe people with limited abilities. And so we have become emotionally friendlier. We have also become more accepting with people into our community. And then we have the Scrooge of Cancer. Now, within the Chinese community, we don't like the word cancer. We say, oh, it's something bad, it's something bad. We can't even name it. But then we give thanks to God again, there is that awareness. And so even in many churches, we have this cancer support group. And people who are diagnosed with cancer are free to talk about it, to talk about the process of treatment, and we accept them. And so there should be no stigma. I want to talk about mental wellness today. It's because I pray that mental wellness, mental illness, would also become accepted within the church community. That there would be no stigma. And so we would say, if you're not okay, it's okay. I stand with you. I hear you. I love you. And I'm with you. I'm not standing one, two meters away. And so we can say that we are here for you. Because in Psalms 38, David knew that the hope is still in the Lord. Despite all his pain and suffering, despite being forsaken by his friends and family, that glimmer of hope it's only a glimmer of hope is still in the Lord. He ends the psalm, verse 21 and 22. He says, do not forsake me, do not be far from me. While his friends and families are standing very, very far and have forsaken David, David turned to the Lord and said, don't forsake me, Lord. Come, come and help me. Despite his spiritual depression, David clung on to the Lord. Although he didn't feel it, he could still say, You hear me, Lord. Even in verse earlier on, in verse 15, in the middle of being forsaken by his friends, in the middle of pain and suffering, he says, I wait for you. I know you will answer, Lord. I wait for you. God was David's only hope. He is also our hope. Friends, you and I know what Jesus has promised us in John 16, among the many, many promises. He says, in this world, you will have suffering, you will have pain, you will have sorrows. But wait, take heart, 
I have overcome the world. And of course, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. Who has this message? You and I. You and I have this message. And so we need to be the bearers of this message to share it with people. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, yes, sometimes people feel that, God, you're so far away. Where are you? I can't hear you. But God, the sovereign God, is there and he understands. We, you and I, may not understand the suffering. You and I may not really understand the depth of the suffering. You and I may feel that we do not know what to do and so we want to stand a bit far away. But we can't do that because you and I have the message of hope. Mental illness is more widespread than many of us would want to admit. It is widespread, it is increasing with this pandemic. This morning in the Borneo Post, there was a figure given worldwide how many people are going through mental unwellness. But because of shame and stigma, many people will delay in getting help. And so that's where the church comes in. The faith community, we can promote mental health, we can promote mental wellness. If we would say that it is okay if you are not okay. The faith community is the first one to know. If somebody tells us he or she is going to see a cardiologist, we would know what's happening and we'd be full of love and empathy. If somebody said, I'm going to see an oncologist even, we would understand that. But the minute we hear when somebody says, I'm going to see a psychiatrist, we would stiffen and we said, I don't know what to do. We don't need to do that. You and I can help to remove the stigma. As a people called to spread love and hope, we need to step out and offer what only God's people can offer. Love, hope, grace, peace. I'm so thankful, Jared, that you chose the song, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Out of darkness, he called me. And out of darkness, you and I can bring God's light into that life. And so here at FMC, what can we do? Some of you may know that I have recommended this small group Bible study material that you may want to use to equip ourselves responding to mental illness as a church. Like I said, even we ourselves, sometimes we don't know what to do. Uh, okay, okay, I'll pray for you or something. But we can. We can be the channel of God's grace and light into the darkness. Remember what was the call to worship? What was read for the call to worship? Psalm 84, 
verse 3, or verse, verse 3, sorry, not 4. Verse 3 says, Even a sparrow has found the home, and the swallow a nest for herself in God's temple. Those of us who know the sparrow is worthless, it's not even worth your time. And yet, the sparrow can find a home in God's temple. What more? His creation, whom he loves, whom he died for. A few years ago, the American Psychiatry Association came up with this booklet, Mental Health Guide for Faith Leaders. Now take note, this is by the American Psychiatry Association. Nothing religious, nothing Christian. And yet, in this guidebook, it says, faith community leaders are gatekeepers of first respondents when individuals and family face mental health problems. When people are mentally unwell, who do they go to first? Doctors? Psychiatrists? Or pastors, church leaders, and church members? We are the first respondent. And so this association, they wrote, in that role, they can help dispel misunderstanding, reduce stigma associated with mental illness and treatment, and facilitate access to treatment for those in need. So my dear brothers and sisters, I'm sure this is the first time mental health is preached from the FMC pulpit. I'm very intentional because I want to raise awareness. I want to help all of us realize that even if or when we know of people who are mentally unwell, even ourselves, our loved ones, it is okay. We embrace them, we love them. We bring God's hope and light into their lives. That no one need to say like David, I am forsaken. Yes, the pain may be real and very deep. But no, they don't need to be alone. Because friends, you and I are the church. And so let us stand in response to this hymn of dedication. I love this hymn. It says, you are the church. I am the church. <laughs>